0: Greetings, citizens and cadets, and all the ships at sea. This is the Space Javelin Special Report. We're back, cadets! The ship is out of dry dock and currently in orbit around planet WWDC and the galactic storm of news and forthcoming goodies. I'm your pilot for this briefing, Captain Charles Martin, and regrettably, co-Captain Mike Worthley is out this time due to a news overload slash article writing marathon burnout. So joining us for this post-keynote post-mortem is our special guest, Kyle Wilson. Hello. Tech editor at Business Insider and and contributor to a bunch of other tech websites welcome aboard kyle thank you for having me it's your second time on and we didn't want to leave anybody who didn't have at least two times on before we wrap this thing up for good we never know we're going to be like meatloaf and rocky horror picture show people we might come out of the freezer at any time but <laughs> we'll see what the future holds but again this is a special report so there won't be an episode next week All right. First of all, I want to talk about pundit wars. This is a little section that we do where we compare what the pundits said and how well they did in predicting what actually happened. So I'm going to start with Mark Derman from The New York Times. On the 15th of May, he said that what we would get was new ways of interacting and some fresh apps. Well, that's not wrong. It's just incredibly vague, and anybody could have said that. <laughs> now, later on, to be fair to him, at the end of May, he said we'd get wallpaper with widgets. No, not quite. More social messages with more audio options? Sort of, yes. Changes to the health app? Well, duh, you're always going to get changes to the health app. No points for that one. And an always-on display for the iPhone 14, which is way too early. <laughs> the iPhone 14 was not going to be mentioned at this event. So I'm giving him half point there, 0.5. And that's only for these more social messages, because that part was right. Mm-hmm. Now. Steve Trouton-Smith, he said that there would be improved multitasking in iPad OS 16 with freely resizable windows and a general move to a more notebook-like, i.e. Mac-like window management. Correct! He gets a full point. Now, everybody on the interwebs thought that the Mac OS 13 was going to be called Mammoth. Mm -hmm. Wrong! Everybody wrong. Another one that I don't remember the source of was watchOS 9 would include better low power management. Might, but there was no mention of it. Better atrial fibrillation monitoring. Good point. Yes, indeed. And more health stuff that you get no points for because, of course, they do that every time. Definitely. And now we come to a couple of our favorites. Ming-Chi Kuo back in March said there would be a new MacBook Air with a slab design, which I don't like, but it's still super thin. So I'm kind of warming up to it. He said there would be iMac colors. No. And the M1. Now, later in March, to be fair, he walked back the M1 and said M2. And then in June, he walked back the iMac colors as well. So he ended up being right. But he only gets half credit for that because he had to walk back so much stuff. And then Ross Young. Ross Young, usually a very reliable pundit. He claims that a 15-inch MacBook Air is coming in 2023. I remain skeptical, but we can't check on that yet. It certainly wasn't talked about this time, but he did call out the new 13-inch, but then he ruined his own prediction by saying there was a new 12-inch coming this year. Nope. The 13-inch, though, he did correctly exactly predict that there would be a 13.6-inch screen, which, to be fair, would make it distinguishable from a 12-inch that may come in the future, but oh well. Oh, and one last one. Some rando on Twitter... I don't remember who it was, but literally, he got a lot of momentum on this, claimed that Apple would interconnect two M1 Ultra chips into a new M1 chip, I presumably called Extreme, <laughs> that will power the forthcoming Mac Pro. No, absolutely not. Already categorically denied. John Turnus said that the M1 lineup is complete when the M1 Ultra came out. So no, So when you look over the entire scores, Kyle, it turns out that the pundits were on average half right. Guess what? That's always their average.
1: Yeah, that typically is. You (laughs) tend to get half wrong, half right. I mean, they have sources, don't get me wrong, but things also do change at the last minute.
0: Ross Young knows what he's talking about when it comes to displays, but then he can't resist projecting where those displays will go. And he's always wrong about that. I wish we
1: had time trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. That
1: would be so handy to know, you know. And
0: Ming-Chi continues to be very accurate if you ignore the things that he said that were wrong.
1: I think that can be said for every <laughs> pundit. Yeah.
0: What happens is he jumps in too early with an idea and then comes back later and goes oh wait did i say this year oh i meant next year i'm sorry and that sort of thing and then german just mostly copies what Mingjiquo has to say so naturally he's about as accurate steve Trout and smith only made one prediction but he nailed it nailed it you know why because he's looking at the code looking in the code There was a lot to talk about at WWDC. This was a pretty big year, as I predicted. Mike was half right. He said that it was going to be all about the OSs and nothing else, and that was incorrect. But he thought there would be a lot in the OSs, and on that, he was 100% correct. So after some talk about the new Developer Center and the Developer Academies and the Entrepreneur Camps and how they've reached 34 million Apple developers, which is really impressive. They really opened right up with iOS 16. Kyle, of the list of features that we're about to rattle off, what was the one that grabbed your attention the most?
1: iMessage editing.
0: iMessage editing. Hmm, yes. That's going to save a lot of relationships.
1: And also it's <laughs> something that Twitter is also working on. they not iMessage, obviously, but for tweets, they're also working on the editing feature and they've confirmed that. Yeah. And it's a very highly requested feature. And I can't imagine Apple going wrong with this.
0: Also, you can unsend a message,
1: which also will save a lot of relationships, (laughs) maybe. Up to a 15 minute time limit, though. Yeah. Which is also kind of reasonable.
0: That's actually very generous. But here's the problem is the odds are because you get notified when the message comes in. So if you happen to glance at the message and it's not there later, you know what happened. (laughs) You know that person took back their job offer or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, but the other catch with this, too, is that it is iOS version dependent. So if you're texting with somebody and they're on a different version of iOS, so for instance, 15, then it won't unsend.
0: Right. Luckily, 85% of people are on the current version, which is iOS 15. And I imagine that iOS 16 will get adopted pretty quickly because this is one of the most feature-rich versions we've had in a while, and that usually drives
1: adoption. I'm excited for it.
0: What about you? I'm very interested in the whole lock screen redesign. This looks really good. It certainly can get too busy, especially for me, but there's some really nice touches there. Live weather conditions, you know, these fact that developers can create lock screen widgets. That's good. That is cool. Dictation. Didn't change that much, but they're leaving the keyboard open because, and this seems like a feature aimed precisely at me, because I will often dictate, I usually dictate my messages. But when I'm about to use a word that is unusual or slang or some kind of like I'm trying to create a hybrid word as I go, which I sometimes do, the keyboard being there will be fantastic.
1: That would be really helpful because also you can sometimes dictation can get it wrong. And if you can yeah. jump in there really quick and fix it, that's way easier.
0: Yeah. And there are some people who like to correct as they go. They don't want to wait. Even though if you do, if you just keep talking, dictation will usually correct itself, except for the word. (laughs) (laughs) There's some wag on Twitter that put up a big graphic that said, dear Apple, it's never duck. (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty good. It's never duck, Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for trying to class me up, but no. (laughs) Now, there were some features in there that I thought they went over very quickly that I think are going to be huge. Live text from video is pretty amazing. You can still store. I mean, this is a technology we first heard about in mst 3 k You can put text up on screen in a video and somebody can hit pause and copy and paste that.
1: That is very cool. That
0: is futurey.
1: I like future stuff. It's sort of like a continuation of what they did with photos where you can press and hold on an image and copy the text out of it.
0: Yeah. And then there was, a, they only took a few seconds on this. And it was another one of those, ah, wait, go back, explain, <laughs> sort of things. What they did was somebody sent a picture of a dog or they had a picture of a dog. And they press and hold on the dog and grab the dog out of the picture and put it in a message
1: that is cool
0: what that was amazing as i don't know if you ever had much background in photoshop but i did because i was a graphic artist for a long time and the time we spent the years gone by the time wasted edging my way around a thing that needed to be separated out of a photo that didn't have a clean background
1: oh yeah the good old lasso tool oh
0: Watching somebody just do that casually was kind of funny. I should mention Wallet. Maryland and Arizona officially on board. Eleven other states have signed up and are going to add this. This looks like for the U.S. at least it looks like it's going to be a big thing. And I sure hope we get this feature in Canada because ID embedded in our phones would be fantastic.
1: It would definitely, though obviously it does also raise concerns but if your phone is compromised of course
0: yeah but that's why you have iPhones because <laughs> you don't want it to be compromised and it's much less likely that way definitely apple pay got a bunch of different things including a completely out of left field feature called apple pay later So you buy a thing and Apple will offer to break it up into four equal payments over six weeks at no charge whatsoever. That is quite interesting. This is only in the U.S. at present. But yeah, Apple, why don't you do this? Why don't you bring that feature to Canada? And while you're at it, give us the Apple card, will you? Give us the Apple card.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be quite interesting. I know it took them a long time to even get financing up here for devices, though. Took many years.
0: Apple is very sneakily getting more and more into the finance business. And this is another way. And of course, there was tap to pay on iPhone. Again, only in the U.S. at present, but they hold out their phone, you hold out your phone, boop, boop, and you've given them some money or they've given you some money. Pretty cool. Transit maps are more detailed in Vancouver. I did notice that, but 11 new countries are getting the kind of updated maps we have here in Canada and the U.S. That's fantastic. Multi-stop routing for road trips. Oh, this is way overdue. That's awesome. I like this very much, that you can actually plan a trip out ahead of time. So that's nice. To be fair, you can just start your trip, and when you need to go to the bathroom or something, you pull over and you do that, and then you just tell it to to where you're going again, and you can do that. But having a multi-stop route means that a group of you can all stop at the same places as you go along on this road trip. So convoy. And then there was there was a moment there about sports. I'm not a big sports fan, except for like weird sports like caber toss and curling. (laughs) But Craig's ridiculous six color sport outfit was possibly the fashion highlight of the entire keynote. And it probably needed attention. They're adding my sports news to news in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. So that's great. And the Apple TV app will now have score notifications if you want that sort of
1: thing. That'll be quite nice. I would love having score notifications. I asked my phone several times what the score is. So that'd be awesome.
0: I have a few friends that are massive Olympics nuts. Well, I shouldn't call them nuts. They're enthusiasts is what I mean. And they try to watch as much of the Olympics as possible. And having these kinds of score updates are going to be heaven for them. And I think unless Android copies this feature quickly, I think this will be a selling point for some people. Definitely. Speaking of a selling point for some people, we've started getting some more stories, Kyle, about irresponsible parents that are just letting the iPhone be the babysitter and they get a resulting credit card bill that reflects their bad parenting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very judgy. (laughs) But Apple has, in response to this, beefed up kid account management and quick start for new devices and a family checklist To try and make it as obvious as possible to parents that if you're going to hand your phone to your kid, that's a bad idea. Get them their own phone. But, okay, you don't want to? Fine. Here's the checklist. Make sure you know what this kid can do on your phone. And that's smart. And on their own
1: phone, right? Yeah, that is smart to give parents the tools they need to be better informed. Education is... Very important.
0: Those features have all been there, but this is making it, hey, more obvious. We see that you're doing family sharing. Would you like to go through this family checklist and make sure your kid can't go to those sites or buy these things? <laughs> They're having to wave a red flag in front of parents because parents aren't doing it on their own. It's a shame. They introduced a new concept that I need more information on. It's called the iCloud Shared Photo Library. It's still part of your own iCloud space. But it is a separate library completely from your iCloud photo library. So they're essentially sharing that off instead of just a group of pictures that you can share with your family. Now there's a separate space for that with up to five other people.
1: Oh that's kind of cool. I wonder if that would have a different quota. Uh,
0: yeah. Hmm. See, they didn't go into any details, so we don't know.
1: That is a good question, though. I'm curious.
0: There was a somber moment right after that that I thought was really well handled. And that was a new feature called Safety Check coming in Iowa 16. And it can't come a day too soon, quite frankly, because what it does is it enables people who are trying to get out of a relationship because they're being abused or are in other forms of danger to quickly shut off any shared access you've granted to that jerk.
1: And that is amazing. It should have been there a long time ago, and I'm glad they did it.
0: Should have been there a long time ago. I understand this was developed in tandem with a bunch of organizations that help people in those bad relationships or trying to get out of abusive relationships. So yay. And of course, nobody else thought of it first, but way overdue. And I'm so glad that it's going to be there. I just wish we didn't now have to wait however long. Now, there is a rumor on Twitter right now saying that iOS 16
1: is coming out tomorrow. (laughs) I don't believe it. I'm betting it's going to come out with the new iPhones in the fall. Well, around that time, at least. That's typically when they release them.
0: I think that's probably correct, technically. But I think because Apple has already pre-announced some features that will be in iOS 16 ahead of time, like accessibility features, this one might get turned on early, at least in the betas. I hope so. Yeah. The sooner, the better,
1: man. That's huge. That would be good. But when it comes to 16 in general, then definitely this fall.
0: Turning to the home app, they're redesigning the home app. This has needed that for some time. I'm not a big fan of the home app. Sorry, Stephen Robles. I'm not. But I'm probably going to be a much bigger fan of the new home app. In particular, the important part about this is not that you now have main tabs of rooms and you can put camera views in there and then the categories of devices have expanded and all that. No, no. It is the adoption of matter. Matter, for those of you who haven't been keeping up, is the best attempt yet at a new industry standard that would make all of these devices talk to each other better from different manufacturers. And guess what is at the core of Matter? Turns out it's HomeKit. That's right. Once again, Apple is the center of a new industry standard. We think this is going to be widely adopted. There's been a lot of enthusiasm from across the industry. Stephen Robles would have a lot more to say about this. So I direct you to his next HomeKit Insider podcast over on Apple Insider. Well, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about that. Mm CarPlay! Now, this is something I'm passionate about. First of all, Apple gave us some stats on CarPlay. 79% of buyers demand, they don't consider cars that don't have it. 79% of new car buyers, and I'm sure that includes Android Auto in that figure, but still, this is what we're talking about. And this is why the, quote, Apple car, unquote, that isn't a car, but is a set of car technologies, is going to be huge when it comes out, although it will probably take a while to adopt just like CarPlay did. It took the auto industry forever to embrace CarPlay, but 98% of new cars have it. Wow. I don't know who is the car company that doesn't have this because I'm not buying from them. And 79% of buyers don't consider a new car unless it has CarPlay and presumably Android Auto. So that's pretty good penetration, I have to say. This has been one of those bubbling under hits that Apple has more often than people think they do.
1: Definitely, it's quite the feature. I haven't yet had a vehicle with it, but I will be looking forward to it when I do.
0: It completely changes, not just the way you drive, but the way you enjoy being in the car. Some people have to buy a $100,000 Tesla or something to really enjoy being in a car because it's a great car. But you know what? Me and my Ford can now enjoy being in there because it's so awesome. And- If there's no other part of the actual keynote that you want to watch, maybe zoom in to the part where they're talking about CarPlay because they're showing off the next generation of CarPlay. Sneak peek, they said, because it's coming late next year. So just in time for iOS 17. CarPlay across the entire dashboard of the car. This is the first look that we've had at Apple's idea for Car experience improvement, and it is super
1: exciting. That is. I'm looking at a picture right now as we speak, and that is amazing.
0: And the reason is, is because a surprising number of new cars don't actually have any dials there where you expect the dials for the speedometer and all that stuff. That's all a screen with a hardware, maybe pointer, maybe. But that's a screen with a pointer. The instrumentation only comes up when the screen is on, which is when the car is on. So CarPlay can totally fit in there. It gives you the entire dashboard that you're used to, RPMs and gas mileage and, you know, all that usual information. With a map. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. It's not a heads-up display. But in the middle, where there's usually a lot of dead information you don't care about, is maybe how far your destination or the maps view from the road level or widgets that you pick. I mean, oh, this was just amazing. And it's completely customizable. I mentioned this on the last regular episode that we did, but Mike Worthley actually joined the Mac and M podcast, which then became Space Javelin, with episode three, way back when. And on that particular show, his very first appearance, he predicted that Apple was not actually building a car with a tailpipe and tires and oil changes and all that. They were building a car experience that they would then license to other car makers, as they do with CarPlay. This reinforces that idea, and this is the first time that we've seen what Mike was talking about. And so I'm going to say seven years later, he turned out to be right. Now, that's
1: a pundit prediction. (laughs) Definitely seven years out and turns out to be right. Amazing. It
0: was utterly amazing. 2015, he made that prediction that that was what it was. And I still think that that is exactly what's going to happen. The people who think that Apple, I mean, yeah, Apple's probably going to build an example car to show you what it can do, but that Apple's going to sell cars and start their own dealerships and do oil changes for you. Nope. (laughs) Nope. They're going to leave that to the Lincolns and the BMWs and the Polestars and the higher-end companies of the world. Hopefully, Tesla will get on board with this one day because it would really help straighten them out. But never mind. And so, with that, we move on to the Apple Watch. Kyle, do you have an Apple Watch? Yes, I do. Excellent. Well, good news is, although they didn't actually say it during the keynote, it looks like everything but the Watch 3 is going to be able to get
1: watchOS 9. That is awesome. I
0: could be wrong about Watch 3 because they managed to squeeze watchOS 8 in there somehow after I emptied the watch of everything and then put it all back on. Then I could put watchOS 8 on it. (laughs) Yeah, that's wild. The problem with this keynote is that it's made me want to buy so much stuff. But we'll come to that later. (laughs) But I I am overdue to replace the Watch Series 3 that I have with something more modern. And watchOS 9... They did not mention anything about a future actual watch, but they are clearly prepping for one because this watchOS 9 is introducing a bunch of new stuff. They talked about four new watch faces. I was not impressed with any of them. And the Metropolitan one, I thought, was horrifically ugly, but they do have little things like the redesigned Siri interface to match the iPhone and iPad, a better podcast or audiobook interface, and voice integration for meeting apps. This is both a good thing and a terrible thing it would be great to be able to join a Zoom or Teams or whatever meeting with just your voice because very few people really like being on
1: camera for those things anyway.
0: But I worry about people listening to these meetings while they're driving.
1: Yeah, distracted driving. Yeah, definitely.
0: Hopefully you can't do this while driving. I didn't mention it. But on the other hand, if you are a runner and not a driver, oh, my God, watchOS 9 is so for you. They are measuring new things. Vertical oscillation, meaning how much your body moves up and down, which is a way of measuring the efficiency of your run. The stride length, ground contact. What? They've got heart zones, work and recovery periods for high-intensity training, personal bests or the last time so you can try to beat your own previous time. And multi-sport workout switching for you triathletes. Oh, my
1: God. That is cool. There are a lot of features in there.
0: It's amazing to me how much the watch can do in a self-contained manner. You know, there's just a story recently, a new band that you can put on that does the glucose monitoring in advance of the watch being able to do it itself. So this band... It might be invasive, but I don't know. But it helps monitor your glucose. But that's an amazing advancement for diabetics. This is a huge deal. definitely. And if you can get that in a band, thinking about all the things a watch can do and then being able to put on a band that can do something else. Oh, this is amazing. Cool. The sleep app is getting more sleep stages, heart and movement studies. Participants can contribute their
1: sleep data. That'd be good. I wonder if it'll fix the problem I have where it thinks I stand up all night. <laughs> I meet my sancle every day mostly because it thought every all night long I was standing.
0: That's so funny. Did you get the little Congratulations, you did it. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's really kind of funny. So apparently I stand like 18 hours a day.
0: Maybe file a bug report.
1: <laughs> or yeah. or maybe
0: you're a bat. Maybe that's the problem and they can't tell the difference between standing upright or hanging from the ceiling.
1: Yeah, you know, I just love hanging from my ceiling. That's what I do every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: But the other thing is I use a different app for my sleep tracking, Sleep Plus Plus, and this new Apple revision, Sleep Plus Plus, sorry, man, you're going to be dropped as soon as this comes out because it seems like it's way better. Tells you very distinctly the different stages of sleep. There's more than two awake and asleep. No, there's more, believe it or not. And all of that can tell you a great deal about what kind of problems you may be having getting a good night's sleep. The other big deal, and I have a friend who's going to be very affected by this, is they've improved the afibrillation or irregular heartbeat measurements much more record keeping on this. There is FDA clearance pending on this, but apparently this new algorithm is really, really accurate. And they are very excited about this for people who suffer from AFib. I have a very minor, minor case, doesn't really interfere with my life at all. I have a friend of mine who it has just about killed him multiple times and he just refuses to die. (laughs) But that's a good thing. It's amazing. And then last, but well, no, this is Penultimate. Everybody takes medications. 50% of all adults in the United States take medications of some kind or another. I want to know who these other half are. Are they babies? They must be. (laughs) Because everybody I know takes meds. Maybe that's just because I'm old. But anyway, medicine tracking, reminders of when you need to take your medicine, logging, whether you did or not, if you want it. Label scannings so that the iPhone itself can read what medicines you're taking. You don't have to type in, trick the lateral side or whatever it is.
1: There you go. That is good, definitely.
0: You can share some of this health data with family members or doctors, if you like. And then they even have warnings about drug-drug interaction. So there's the big obvious one is. Don't drink if you're taking this medication, for example. But even if you're taking medicines that were all prescribed to you, but you're taking them in the wrong combination, they'll be less effective because they're kind of canceling each other out. Hey, And then last but not least, by far the most important thing about watchOS 9 is you can now put your dog or your cat in the portrait's face on your watch. Sold. There. Done. (laughs) If you were worried that the Apple Watch would ever lose its best-selling position in the smartwatch market, don't worry. Okay, let's get to the big stuff. So we get to the Mac, and the big deal is the M2. The M2, broadly speaking, 50% more bandwidth, up to 24 gigs of memory. It's 8-core with 4 and 4 in terms of high efficiency and performance. And it looks like it's going to be just generally faster, 25% faster in graphics, two and a half times the performance of most PC chips. It's just the M1 better. So then they went and introduced the new MacBook Air. Now, I've railed on this program previously about how I don't want them to get rid of the wedge design. They got rid of the wedge design, but they made it super thin. It looks actually much more like the MacBook. Remember those? The plain MacBook, not Pro, not Air, which I happen to have in my hand, actually. I've got one. And now I'm going to have to melt that down and sell the metal so that I can get this MacBook Air M2. Maybe. Maybe. The new dark blue midnight color. Apple, it's going to be the best seller. That's the best one. That's the best looking blue you have ever produced. They also have it available in silver and starlight, which is a yellowy white and space gray. It is 2.7 pounds. Pretty light. 11.3 millimeters. It's under half an inch. Two Thunderbolt ports, an audio jack, which also has support for high impedance audio. The liquid retina screen, a notch. Yes. 13.6-inch display, 1080p camera, et cetera, et cetera. It's 20% faster than the M1. It is still a fanless design. That I approve of. 18 hours of typical-use battery life. What? That's pretty good. Definitely.
1: Longer than my phone.
0: Yeah. And you get your choice of either a fast-charge 67-watt charger or a two-port power adapter because there aren't a lot of ports on this thing, so it's just the two
1: Thunderbolt ports.
0: but since the charger is MagSafe, you're not tying up one of those ports. This is what they should have done with the MacBook.
1: Exactly. I like MagSafe. I actually got a third-party charger to make my Mac MagSafe. The 2016 MacBook Pro. Oh, right. And it was a good choice. It saved it a couple times.
0: Yep. I have a 2019 MacBook Pro, and I'm Probably going to be selling that because of this next thing we're going to talk about. But the MagSafe was really nice. I didn't mind using USB ports to charge at all. And I still use them from time to time because it happens to be convenient to where I want the plug, on which side I want the plug to be. But my MacBook Pro has four of these Thunderbolt ports. Some people only have two. Some people only have one. So that gets to be a pain. That would be. I approve of MagSafe. Also, if you have cats... MagSafe vastly superior.
1: I have cats. MagSafe is the requirement. (laughs)
0: There you go. And then also they brought out the other big gun was the 13-inch MacBook Pro M2, which appears to have a touch bar. And that means that I'm going to be selling this 2019 MacBook Pro
1: and getting one of those. Contrary of general opinion, at least, I'm actually kind of a fan of touch bars. I'm a huge fan of the touch bar. But the physical escape button, though, is nice. But otherwise, though, touch bars.
0: I have never used, except when I was first learning programming, I have never used the function keys on a Mac or a PC for function keys. I've always used them for media control keys, which, by the way, was another Apple invention that Windows adopted. So there. But anyway, the 13-inch MacBook Pro is three and a half times faster than my 2019. According Up to 24 gigs of RAM available, ProRes encode and decode. I want to point that out because the MacBook Air M2 only has ProRes decode, not encode. There's your Pro right there. Definitely. 20 hours of typical use battery life. And looks like they put the good camera in it. (laughs) In both of these, I didn't see any mention of center stage for either one of these. So in case Kyle doesn't know, I'll just briefly explain. Center stage, wonderful feature that moves the camera. It doesn't move the camera. It overshoots the area that you see on Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. And so when you move slightly out of shot, the camera appears to move to
1: follow you. That is very cool. I saw a demonstration of that, and it's quite cool. It's a very cool
0: feature, but unfortunately, ultra-wide lens like that just doesn't quite have the picture quality, as it turns out, of a fixed wide lens. So these appear to have the fixed wide lens, unlike the Mac Studio display, which is what caused all this controversy to come up in the first place. Okay. What about prices? In the U.S., you will pay $1,199. That's starting price for the MacBook Air M2. You will pay 1299 for the MacBook Pro M2. This is deliberate. <laughs> I mean, Apple wants you to buy the Air if you need the Air, but at $100 more for the Pro, a lot of people are going to just get the Pro. But wait. You're on a budget. You absolutely can't go over a thousand bucks. Well, guess what? The M1 MacBook Pro is dropped to 999 U.S.
1: Yes, it's awesome. They're going to continue selling it. They're going to keep it in the lineup. Because normally they just discontinue them. So it's cool that they're keeping it in. Yeah.
0: Next up, macOS Ventura, as it turns out, it's going to be called. Everybody thought it was going to be Mammoth, and there was a number of people venturing other guesses. But I don't think anybody guessed Ventura. So Mammoth must be next year, I suppose. And the big deal, there's two big deals. One is kind of a bubbling under thing, and the other one was they made a big magilla about in the presentation. And the, that was Stage Manager, yet another attempt to get you to clean up your cluttery desktop. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they already have a built-in, we'll sort these into folders for you and leave them on your desktop if you want. Action, which not enough people do, but Stage Manager might actually do it because what Stage Manager does is it organizes the desktop better. And organizes the windows that are open better because people who have messy desktops tend to have messy windows, right? Open windows all over the place. So this moves all the windows associated with the apps you're not using into nice little piles over there. And then you just click on them to bring them back.
1: That is very cool.
0: And yes, you can have windows from one app and a window from the other app. Just drag them over. They work great. And this should work fine. I think this is their best shot at getting people to organize that a little bit. And I think it might work.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's also built for somebody like me. I hoard tabs and uh, my desktop is a mess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of tabs, shared tab groups. Now you can send a group of tabs that you have to somebody else, vice versa. And that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, exactly. That sounds like what Jordan Novette. Uh, from CNBC and I joke around a lot about tabs. And yeah, I imagine we could probably uh, crash each other's phones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. One tab group. I haven't used the feature as much as I should, but I have one tab group that is theaters in Victoria. And by theaters, I mean, you go sit down, watch a play, not cinemas. Cinemas are cinemas. Theaters are theaters. Americans. Anyway, (laughs) So at a glance, I can open this tab group and see what's playing at all of the theaters here in Victoria.
1: That is pretty cool. So I
0: can decide which play I want to go to or which play I'm going to avoid because it's probably going to be very crowded. And I'm still a little gun shy about COVID. So everybody's different comfort level. And I like, but that's a good example of a tab group. Work tab groups are also very important as well. And so on. There's a bunch of little features and we'll mention a few of them. But big news for gamers, Metal 3 And a couple of big name games are coming. No Man's Sky is coming to the Mac and Resident Evil Village, (laughs) which if enough people buy it, will have to be called Resident Evil Hamlet and then City. (laughs) What I found interesting was that a Resident Evil Village, if you're playing it on a Mac, it'll be 1080p. If you have a Mac Studio, it'll be 4K. So that's all coming later this year. But the big underlying thing that I think is going to make a huge difference in people's lives actually got rather short shrift, and it's called PassKeys. This is Apple's attempt to start getting rid of passwords. So just to be confusing about it, we have passcodes, which is the numbers you punch in on your phone or iPad to get in. That's a passcode, not a password. You have passwords, which you use mostly for websites, but you can use them for certain apps. And then passkeys are local on-device things that stay there and can't be fished because you can't give up the pass key if you don't
1: know it. Which is the key thing because yeah. the fishing attempts can be very convincing and that's not really <laughs> necessarily anyone's fault for falling for them. Yeah. But they can be very convincing, especially if you're not careful.
0: Yeah. And unless you are going to cut your finger off, send it in the mail to somebody so that they can use your passkey because it relies on biometrics with a fallback to passcodes. That's it. The passwords start to fade out of the picture. Now, to be fair, Microsoft took a big lead on this and they have gone a long way with it. So hats off to them. This is a good idea. Now we just got to kind of get Google on board. And I think Apple wants passkeys to be the standard. And I think that between Microsoft and Apple, I think they've got the right path. But I work with a lot of people, and the number one problem we run into is I don't remember any of my passwords, and I don't remember the book where I have my password's written down. Yeah. I don't remember where it is. So we spend an inordinate amount of time resetting passwords.
1: Yeah, that could definitely help save a headache there. And also, though these are specific to your device, they're end-to-end encrypted and they can sync through iCloud Keychain. Yes. So you can have them in all of your devices.
0: iCloud Keychain has them, but you don't. You actually literally don't know what your passkey is because you never have to use it. You fall back to something you do know or can look up or you fall back to biometrics. The other thing is if you need to use this on non-Apple devices, Apple's developed a QR code for a passkey. So that actually works as well. Again, I hope that Microsoft and Google will consider adopting this or adding their contributions in. And let's get a standard going here, people. You would be doing yourselves a huge favor, not to mention people like me.
1: Exactly. It's nice that they're adding in a QR code because that would be my main concern with it is what if I need to log into it on my computer. And if you're
0: one of those people who multitask a lot, you'll enjoy the fact that iOS 16 and macOS Ventura now have handoff for FaceTime calls. So if you're started a FaceTime call on your Mac, let's say, and you, oh, I got to go but I don't want to close this FaceTime call. I'm going to bring the FaceTime call with me on my phone.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. That is very cool, especially because that's a feature that like Teams already has and other apps already have. And so them catching up in that regard is a good thing. Definitely.
0: There was one other feature. It needs more explanation before I'm buying into it. But there were two parts about it. It's called continuity camera. And it's especially useful for those of you who do have that ultra-wide lens and that center stage feature like the iPad Pro, for example. There's two things. Number one is you can now use your iPhone for a webcam on your Mac. That'd be pretty cool. You just need a little holder there and where the webcam would normally go. And you can use the iPhone, which probably has much higher resolution than your laptop's camera for your webcam. Great. If you have wide angle, they demonstrated a feature that showed You on one side of the picture that you're sending out to your Teams or your Zoom or your FaceTime calls. There's you on one side of the picture and a fake overhead shot of your hands. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, you've got to see this, Kyle. It's amazing. So what they're doing is the camera can see the keyboard. Right? Because it's an ultra wide camera. So it can see the keyboard and your hands, mm-hmm. and it uses artificial intelligence to change the
1: angle of this. Oh, that is so cool. So
0: that it looks like you're directly demonstrating what you're doing on your computer from
1: overhead. That is very cool. It was a mind blower. Mind blower. Using you your iPhone a webcam is amazing, though. I wish they could adopt it with other platforms, too. That'd be pretty cool. That would, well, especially on Windows or something, even that would be cool.
0: You know, the others are going to copy that idea.
1: Yeah, but with your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And then last but not least, and they saved this because it's such a revolutionary change. iPad OS 16 is inheriting all of these features we've already talked about. But, and I mean, this is the game changer people. It's now got its own weather app.
1: That is awesome. <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. It does. It has its own weather app on the iPad Atlas and maybe a calculator next year. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> good almighty. What were they thinking? Anyway, there's a bunch of other stuff in there. I'll talk about a couple of it. the Metal 3 as well. Background downloading for large game assets, all that kind of stuff. There's SharePlay gaming coming and so on and so forth. Weather maps. Weather maps. But the big one, the big one is freely resizable windows that you can move around anywhere you want, a la Macs on an iPad. That is cool. Finally. You can have up to four windows per app and up to eight apps open simultaneously. This is going to make weird people very happy because that's way too much stuff you're doing on an iPad all at once. But you know what? iPad Pros have an M1, so they can handle it. More power to you. They can handle it. And full external display support. I mean, full external displays for iPad Pros and the iPad Air. You just use that USB-C slash Thunderbolt port and plug in an external display and boom, This is making the iPad Pro and Air a computer in the sense that all the rest of us tend to think of it. That plus stage manager, plus pixel density adjusting so you can adjust the resolution on things, plus virtual memory swapping, which means you can use your storage for more RAM if you actually need it, although you probably won't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is so much coming to this, but one last feature I'll mention is a sneak peek, again, coming later this year. It's called Freeform. This is Apple's attempt to horn in on a little bit of the Zoom and Teams and WebEx market, only with better resolution. Freeform is essentially allowing for a whiteboarding system collaborative within FaceTime calls. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. I am sure some people at Business Insider are literally drooling at the possibility. I am too, definitely. Uh, So... And there's more collaboration links for Apple users to work with each other within iWork and interactively with messages and FaceTime and iWork all altogether. So that was a lot. This is a huge revolution and something that somebody like Federico over at Mac Stories has been asking for, begging for, praying for. And I remember the day before he posted something like, I've got a really good feeling about iPadOS tomorrow. Turns out he was right. So I'm happy
1: for him as well.
0: Anyway, that rounds that up. So, Kyle, how many of these products are you
1: going to buy? Well, I am due to replace my Mac. I'm not too sure about anything else at this stage.
0: Well, I still can't recommend that MacBook Air for people like us, except for that blue color. Oh, the blue color. It's really nice. I'll be tempted. But on the other hand, Apple hasn't made a larger iMac than 24 inches. So although the 24-inch is gorgeous and amazing, are you more of a laptop person like me or more of a
1: desktop person? More of a laptop person when it comes to Mac. I have a PC, but when it comes to laptops, definitely a Mac.
0: Well, for those of you who are thinking about this, but you want the 15 or 16-inch screen size, I would say hang on. Because I think later this fall, you may get what you're looking for. That's what
1: I'm hoping for. I'm holding out until the fall for the 16.
0: But on the other hand, Ross Young, who's usually right about this stuff, says it's actually coming next year. So. You might be waiting a long time. That 13-inch is perfect for me, though. I have the 15-inch over here, and I love it, but it's just a little too bulky to carry around. So the 13-inch, I'm taking it. And the touch bar is not dead, so that that makes me especially happy. It looks like this is going to be, once all this stuff is out, I think I do have an iPad Pro, but it is starting to, it's a 2018, I think. So it's time to replace that, so I'll probably get one of those. On the other hand, should I hold out for the inevitable M2 iPad Pro? Mm, Maybe. But yeah, this laptop's got to (laughs) go. Well, I'm still in the 2016. (laughs) Damn it, Apple. you did it to me again. Only I could afford you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much right.
0: On the other hand, they didn't introduce that split your purchase into four easy payments at no interest for nothing. So, hmm, smart that rounds up the keynote. If you get a chance, watch the whole keynote. It's an hour and 48 minutes, which is much longer than their previous two, but it's really packed. And it even has some moments for some light stuff, especially with Craig Federighi, who he's the Ricky Ricardo of Apple. He is the perfect straight man, but can be funny on his own anytime he wants to be. We'll see you in the future at some point. Maybe we'll do another one of these special events when the new iPhone comes out. Hard to say. Can't tell at this point. But Kyle, I want to thank you very much for coming to join us, especially when Mike couldn't make it. Thank
1: you for having me. Hopefully I'll be back Sunday.
0: Kyle, you can find on Twitter at k Wilson, mg. There you go. And he's also to be found on the pages of Business Insider. And well, pages is kind of an archaic term now, but you know what I mean. On the screens of Business Insider and sometimes Wired and Motherboard and... Kotaku. Kotaku. For video game coverage. There you go. So he gets around. Until next time, cadets, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Again, we appreciate you so much. And, but I have to admit, been enjoying my weekends. So till next time, cadets, salute and good night. Good night.